Welcome to episode 60 of No Rares Required, a weekly podcast where I go over the commons and uncommons that make up the majority of the cards that you will see during a draft. And uh, so every week I discuss my strategy for a specific color pair or archetype, and this week Gruel or Red Green won the, won the vote. So uh, we'll start by going over my draft skeleton, kind of covering the broad strategy for the archetype in general, and then dive into the cards specifically uh, when you should be looking to take them in a draft. And uh, Gruel's theme is Dinos, and it does not disappoint. Right now I have a 71% win rate in the archetype, which uh, is my second best, <laughs> losing out only slightly to Golgari at 72%. But the uh, the archetype I think is a little bit shallow. I don't think that it can support much more than one drafter in a pod because it has very few good two drops and a fair amount of its power is at the uncommon and rare level. Um, though I have found it to be more open during the draft than the Jeskai space, so the wed, uh, white, blue, red space. And uh, you'll want to focus on being mostly green, since most of your dinosaurs are green, and most of the underdrafted cards are green as well. So the archetype's win rate is 56.6% uh, according to 17 lands at the time of this recording which is the third highest, losing out to Izzet and Azorius. So there shouldn't be too many ahas in this episode, but as usual, diving deeper into the data always provides some insights. So remember to hit like and subscribe for near daily Magic the Gathering content. Come visit YouTube if you want uh, to place your vote for the next week's archetype, and let's dive into the cards individually. So to start things off, I like to calculate the total wins created, and I do this by taking the average of the game's played win rate and the game's in hand win rate on 17 lands, and then subtracting the average win rate of all users in the archetype and multiplying it by the number of games played. And this list shows you which cards are, are, are creating the most amount of wins, which ones are affecting the deck in the most positive way. And the top of the list is Itzquinth, Firstborn of Gashath, which is the uh, two-drop uncommon for red and green, signpost uncommon, if you will, uh, followed by Pathfinding Axejaw, Polani's Hatcher, Poison Dart Frog, Watley's Final Strike, Armored Kincaller, Abraid, Pugnacious Hammer Skull, Triumphant Chomp, Belligerent Yearling, Staggering Size, Geological Appraiser, Cenote Scout, Trumpeting Carnosaur, Cavern Stomper, Intrepid Paleontologist. If you don't know what all of these are, don't worry, we'll be covering them in more specific detail here shortly. Um, but I also like to look at the opposite of the uh, side of the spectrum here with the total wins destroyed. And these are the cards that are most negatively affecting the archetype that are being most commonly drafted. So traps that you could look to avoid that a lot of people put in their deck. So top of the list, we've got Idol of the Deep King, which is the artifact that deals two damage. We've got uh, Malamet Brawler, which is the 2-2 trample that can give something trample, the 2-2 Grizzly Bear in green. Uh, Kaslam Stone Tree, which uh, allows you to ramp and has cave synergies. The Basking Capybara, which is the 1-3 2-drop with Descend that becomes a 4-3. Uh, Over the Edge, which is the Disenchant or the Double Explorer. Mineshaft Spider, which is the 3-4 Reach that uh, self-mills. Seismic Monstrosaur, which is the 6 uh, red drop that can sacrifice tap 2 in a red to sacrifice a land to draw a card. Sunfire Torch, which is the 1 red equipment that can uh, deal 2 damage to an opponent's creature if you sacrifice it uh, while attacking. 
nurturing Bristleback, which is the green seven drop dinosaur, the um, Compass Gnome, which is the two one that goes and finds the land and puts it on top of your library. Hotfoot Gnome, which is the three one that can tap to give something haste and has haste itself. The Goblin Tomb Raider, which is a one two for one that gets plus one and haste if you have an artifact. Malamet Veteran, which is the green five drop that if you have descended four or descend four, you can put a plus one plus one counter on something. Uh, you've got the walk with the ancestors, which uh, allows you to pick something up from your graveyard and discover four. Child of the Volcano, which is the 3-3 three, three hill giant for four that gets plus one plus one if you've descended. And then Glimpse the Core, which is the um, like nature's lore, uh, but the, the land comes into play tapped. So you can see a lot of these cards, like um, specifically the Goblin Tomb Raider and like the Sunfire Torch and the Idol of the Deep King. These are cards that are most commonly included in the Is It spell list. So one of the downsides to this space is that it's not a particularly good place to pivot if you start out looking like you might be Is It and then you wind up in green red dinosaurs. And so what I've found is that it's it's very dependent on certain green uh, uncommons and commons being open and they don't work particularly well in other places, right? I mean, like we can kind of see this too with like the Mineshaft Spider is really good in the Golgari or the Descends space um, uh, and does not perform well in this archetype. So um, after calculating the wins created and the wins destroyed, I like to uh, take those and divide them by the number of times that the card was picked and uh, graph it against the average taken at. And this allows me to kind of sift through the data on 17 lands and find the cards that are performing the best at specific points within the draft. So I fit the data with a logarithmic regression and then calculate how far the card is from the fitted line, which was a technique thanks to Carl, aka 2DuckCubed. I'm going to try to give you as much credit as possible because you were the one who came up with it. And we'll call this value over replacement or VORP. And uh, so we can see which top, what are the best cards to take at different points uh, within a draft. And so we have Polani's Hatcher at number one, Pugnacious Hammer Skull, Hwatli Poet of Unity, uh, Bone Horde Dracosaur, Intrepid Paleontologist, the Skull Spore Nexus, Sentinel of the Nameless City, Trumpeting Carnosaur, Hulking Raptor, and Magmatic Galleon. And so all these are all the really just like busted mythics and rares um, that you're going to look for at the beginning of the draft. And Polani's Hatcher has been just an absolute top performer. Uh, other dinosaurs you control have haste. It's a 5-3 that enters the battlefield, creating two eggs that then you can sacrifice an egg at the beginning of combat to create a 3-3 that has the haste because it's a dinosaur. And so not only are you giving all of your other dinosaurs haste, but it itself is uh, three cards in one. And if you get to have multiple combats with this in play, then, you know, you, you get a, like what, an 11, nine worth of stats from a five drop. So this card is insane. And, um, it, you know, it's one of those that like it's commonly splashed for if you're in a different space, throwing in a Polani's Hatcher to play off of your treasure and is it and things like that is completely fine. So Polani's Hatcher, if you see it in a, in a, in a pack, take it. <laughs> uh, Pugnacious Hammer Skull is a card that has seen play in other archetypes as well. Um, but it, uh, it does best the more dinosaurs uh, synergy that you have, because if it attacks while you control another dinosaur, then you don't put a stun counter on it. And uh, you don't really want to be attacking without the dinosaur, because then it turns your 6-6 six, six for 3 into a 3-3, three, three, 
as as far as tempo is concerned, and that is not nearly as busted as uh, pressuring in with a six six on turn four, right? So. And then um, as we go down this list, um, the Vorp is nice for kind of highlighting what cards specifically work well in the Gruul archetype. And the closer that that number gets to zero, the the more that it, it can just be replaced or the more that it's not like a, a top performer in, in the archetype specifically. So Hwatli, Poet of Unity, works really well in Gruul Dinosaurs, which I don't find to be too surprising. Um, you can use red three and uh, either two red or two white to exile it and create the roar of the fifth people, which creates two dinosaur creature tokens. The creatures can then tap for Naya colors. You search your library for your most busted dinosaur card like Kalani's Hatcher and put it into your hand and then shuffle. And then the last chapter, dinosaurs you control gain double strike and trample until end of turn. So if you are also playing additional dinosaurs, it kind of goes without saying that, um, you know, Double Strike and Trample is a great way to finish out the game. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a basic land card, so it also helps you hit into the top end of your curve. And it's just, abs you know, it, it's absolutely busted in a lot. You can play Hwatli's uh, Poet of Unity in other green archetypes as well, but, like, in Gruul specifically with the dinosaur synergies, it's just over the top. And similarly, like, Bone Horde Dracosaur is just one of the top-performing mythics in the set. You get a 5-5 flying first strike for 5 that then exiles cards off the top of your library, uh, two cards every turn. You can play those cards, and if you exile a land, you get a 3-1 uh, a dinosaur, and then if you exile a non-land, you get a treasure token to help play the cards that you're digging. Um, so sim similar, like, that goes into it goes in every red deck, right? Um, and then Intrepid Paleontologist... This one is more dino specific. We've got the um, tap it, add one mana of any color. So it's just a nice ramper. You're looking to get into your four and five drops as early as you can. And uh, being able to exile the cards from a graveyard does, you can use it to affect your opponent's descend if you're up against that. But more commonly, you're just using it to recast your dinosaurs that they've removed, right? I mean, like being able to um, reanimate any of your busted, uh, you know, pugnacious hammer skull or whatever, and being able to play it again means that your opponent has to come up with uh, removal again to deal with that threat. It does come into play with a finality counter, which means that if it is removed, it will be exiled. So you can only kind of recycle through your dinosaurs once, but it has been amazing in the Gruul archetype. And then we've got the Skullspore Nexus, which is, um, it's good the more powerful creatures that you're playing. So I mentioned this one in Golgari, because Golgari kind of has this like, we're going to ramp to, or we're, we're going to cheat out a, a really big, powerful creature early by reanimation through Defossilize. Um, but if you're, you, you could also just be going through the old school route of ramping through your frogs and your paleontologist or whatever um, to get to a high power quickly. But then you're able to uh, double target creatures power until end of turn. So if you're hitting this on like Pugnacious Hammer Skull, for example, um, is particularly disgusting. Uh, because on you, you can play you play it on three. It discounts the this by six. So on turn four, you can immediately start uh, doubling the creature's power until end of turn, meaning that Pugnacious is coming in not just as a 6-6, but as a 12-6. And then if it dies, you get a creature with base power and toughness equal to the total power of the creatures that died that turn. So you can get like a 12-12 that you can make into a 24-12, right? I mean, it's just like, it's a, it's a disgusting mythic. Uh, we've got Sentinel of the Nameless City, which is nothing special. Nothing spectacular about it, specifically in Gruul. I do think it works better in uh, um, Celestia and in Simic, 
where you have more synergies off of the map tokens. But a 3-4 Vigilance creature that every turn is giving you those map tokens to make it into an, an even bigger threat is just absolutely great. And not, it's like multiple triggers of Explorer in one card. Uh, Trumpeting Carnosaur is one that like surprises, you know, like I, I, you see it, it's a six drop dinosaur. You're like, okay, well, it's got to be best in uh, Gruel, right? And surprisingly not. Um, it, it, it performs rather the same in any deck that it's in. And it's really because like the Discover 5 makes it two cards in one. You can tap two in a, a red to discard it to deal three damage to target creature or planeswalker in a pinch. Uh, but, you know, Gruel isn't going to say no to a 7-6 Trample Discover 5 dinosaur. And then last we've got, or not quite last, sorry, uh, we've got the Hulking Raptor, which is a 5-3 dinosaur with Ward 2. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add 2 green. And this one is, is less impressive. The 3 toughness is, makes it a little bit weaker, but it's still a great pack 1 pick 1, especially in Gruel. And then we have Magmatic Galleon, which is a 5-5 that enters the battlefield, deals 5 damage to target creature and opponent controls. Uh, it's a vehicle, and when one or more creatures your opponent's controls are dealt excess non-combat damage, you create a treasure token with Crew 2. And this is really good in any red mid-range strategy that, um, as long as the game isn't over before turn 5, right? Like, it performs a little bit worse in it and then, uh, like, the really aggressive uh, aggro and tempo stat strategies, just because you're not reliably getting to turn 5. But if you do happen to get to turn five, it's still great, right? Like, this is not a card I hope I have to convince you um, to play in your decks, right? And so really, the, the valuable piece of this whole uh, approach comes in, in the next couple little bit. And this is where you talk about what cards you're looking to take in picks two through five, and what are kind of the uncommons that should draw you into the archetype. And the top of the list here, we've got the uh, Itzquinth, Firstborn of Gashath, which is the 2-3 haste dinosaur that when it enters the battlefield, you may pay two. And when you do target dinosaur, your control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. So this similar to the um, Chupacabra Echo is just removal as well as a creature. And you have really powerful dinosaurs in this archetype that you can use this to remove your opponent's threats. You can hit it off of an Atali's favor and uh, just make sure that you have the two color list to play after it to trigger it. You can bring it back with the intrepid paleontologist and then play it and use it as removal again. And, um, it, you know, it's not surprising to me that this is the top performing uncommon for the archetype. You also have the Restless Ridgeline, which um, is specifically good in the Gruel archetype space because it does create a dinosaur creature. And then it gives it another attacking creature plus two plus zero until end of turn, and you get to untap that creature for giving like a pseudo vigilance effect. And uh, this is just a nice thing to include if it's available in you know pick two onward or whatever. I'm not really happy about pack one pick oneing a restless ridge line. I do think there's better options, but like if it's available, often people are passing the man lands, and this is just a way to improve your 24th card over a land. Triumphant Chomp is something that works in particularly well in Gruul because the more dinosaur synergies it moves from a sorcery speed shock into dealing uh, the damage equal to your highest powerful dino. And um, so you can use this for like one damage, deal five to something, and is great removal. 
So note a scout is something that you should be looking for, I think, any time that you're in the green space. Um, you either get a 1-1 one, one that draws you a land or a 2-2 two, two for one. And particularly in this archetype, you need to find and you need to prioritize early drops because there are not very many uh, ones and there are not very many low two drop cost creatures that you want to play. And Cenote Scout can kind of uh, pump the brakes a little bit against like uh, the Is It Pirate deck, for example. And then you've got Belligerent Yearling, which is a 3-2 Trampler for two, that whenever another dinosaur enters the battlefield under your control, you may have the Yearling's base power become equal to that creature's power until end of turn. So it does become a bigger threat as you start playing these like five power dinos, you get a better Trampler. Um, but really what you're, you're looking for uh, to take advantage of is the fact that like you, you need those two drops, right? And like, so you need to pick up the Itzquints, you need to pick up the Yearlings, they need to be open, which is why I think that like the the... Uh, dinosaurs is not something that supports just a whole lot of drafters in a specific pod. And then uh, we've got Malamet Battleglyph, which has been really good removal. Uh, you choose target creature you control and target creature you don't control, and those two fight each other, which works really well with your um, you know high high stat uh, blocks on your dinosaurs. Um, but then if it also came into the uh, battlefield on this turn, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on it, so it does work later in the game and kind of scales nicely. And we've got Thrashing Brontodon, which is a 3-4 for one double pip green that can sacrifice to destroy target artifact or enchantments. And uh, one thing that I would like to note is that in my draft skeleton, I was actually kind of struggling to come up with the 17 commons to make the draft skeleton. And a lot of the times that I've been in dinosaurs and gotten the, the Gruul dinosaur thing to work has been because of being able to pick up um, more uncommons than I think I really should. Everybody was like fighting over the Jeskai space. And so sometimes you get these like thrashing Brontodons pretty late. And uh, because you kind of have a limited amount of good lower curve, it's nice that you can pick these up later. And we've got a uh, Dreadmaw's Ire, which is the instant to give a attacking creature plus two plus two and gains trample. And the trample works really nicely because a lot of your dinosaurs are big beefy creatures that don't have trample. And then the fact that if it deals combat damage to a player, you get to destroy an artifact. You can use this to beat up on Azorius, or is it the, the, the set has a lot of artifacts that are uh, good targets for this. You've got the Colossal Dactyl, which is a 4-5 Reach Trampler for two double pip green. And um, similarly to the Thrashing Brontodon, this is something that you can like take advantage of sometimes being um, opened late when green... Sometimes green is just not drafted. There are a lot of people who think that green is the worst color in the set because unlike black, it doesn't really give you the card advantage and you're really relying on these kind of like big mid-range uncommon threats. So sometimes you can get a late Colossal Dactyl and that's awesome. And then you've got Earthshaker Dreadmaw, which uh, you get a 6-6 Trampler for six that when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other dinosaur you control. And, uh, you know, like m most of the time this card is kind of like filler. And in Gruul, it's just slightly above filler where um, because you have enough dinosaur synergies, this can help you dig into additional threats. And then we've got the uh, Vorp for picks five through eight. And this is really where you start to see, like, what are some of the um, underappreciated uncommons? What are some of the commons that you really should be focusing on trying to pick up? And you can see that the majority of the list is green. And um, that's why, you know, you really your dinosaur synergies are in green, but as well as your like commons that you're going to lean kind of heavily on. And so the start of the top of the list is Pathfinding Axe Draw. You get a 4-3 that draws you a land or a 5-4 for four with dinosaur synergies. Uh, Armored Kin Collar gives you, because you don't have those two drops, you could be taking a lot of damage early on in the game. If, you know, if you're up against uh, Izzet and they start 
pressuring you on turn one or Azorius starts pressuring you on turn one with like a Miner's Guidewing is pretty common in this set. And that's why like Jeskai is so fought over is they both have really good curves that start on turn one. Gruul does not. And so what you need is you need these armored kin collars to regain the life that you have lost, right? So as long as you have a dinosaur in your hand or a dinosaur on the battlefield, um, then you gain three life when you play the armored kin collar. And you can take advantage of Huatli's final strikes being available past pick five, which for removal, usually removal, even common based removal is gone by pick five. And you'll notice similar to what I talked about in uh, Rakdos, there's no braid on this list, right? And, and it's not that a braid is a bad card, right? Uh, in fact, if you go back and you look at the wins created, a braid is one of the better cards in Gruul. The problem with the braid is that you have to take it like pick one, pick two, right? And so like I tend to pass on a braids and rely a little bit more on picking up final strikes. It's not that a braid is bad. It's just that I think that the value of a replacement for a braid is bad because of how early you have to take it. But uh, final strikes work wonderfully with big dinos. You get a, a plus one, plus zero. It deals damage equal to the power. It's at instant speed. And, um, I, you know, this this tends to be my favored interaction at common, and I can take advantage of the fact that it is available later. Uh, Poison Dart Frog is another one, too, that, like, it's kind of a balance of whether or not you want to wait until pick five and try to take these up a little bit uh, a little bit later. I do think when green is open, you should be able to pick up the Poison Dart Frogs. Um, but because green's not always open, you might have to fight a little bit for this card, right? Because like every green deck wants the poison dart frog. You get a one, one, uh, reach mana ramper that can give itself death touch and the reach and the death touch is very useful later in the game. So, you know, rampers that have late game use are, are pretty highly sought after, but, um, when green is open, you know, I, I think seeing Poison Dart Frog in pick five and onward is a good good sign that like nobody else is already in that space and taking your Poison Dart Frogs because you need those two drops. And this is one of one of the ones that you like need to need to pick up. Um, Atali's favor is uh, I, I like Atali's favor in Gruul and maybe more than I really should, because you can struggle to have kind of an early part of your curve. But what I really like about it is that you can permanently give something plus one plus one and trample so that your big dinosaur that doesn't have trample can become a trampler. And, you know, you can play this later in the curve when you have like five mana open and hit an Itzquinth, right? And be uh, be able to pay the two after you discover into the Atali's favor um, and use it as removal while also giving something plus one plus one and trample. So like you do have enough to make Atali's favor work in this space. Uh, Lorekeeper is one of the uncommons that's kind of undervalued. I don't think you should be taking these early, right? Uh, if they are in your pack, like I think there are better cards that you can be looking for. But if you do happen to see them, they they are only, uh, they're a really great signal because they're only a ramper if you are in the dinosaur deck, right? So if you see one of these like pick five and onward, you can be like, yeah, okay, the dinosaur space is definitely open. And that's a good time to pick up the lore keepers because just like the frogs, you're interested in getting into the later part of your curve. And then Tendril the Micro Tyrant is kind of a filler 2-2 that goes in a lot of green decks. And um, it, it does work well in Gruul because you're looking for two drops, right? Because like you, you need something that's like better than a brawler. And this at least has the ability later in the game to tap for five and two green to put seven plus one plus one counters on a land and it gains haste. So if you have eight lands in play, which is pretty late into the game, right? You can start pumping out these seven, seven haste lands. And uh, I've definitely lost to this card. And then um, 
the last one that I'm really kind of looking for is like this is another one that's like like the lore keeper. I think um, this is a little bit of a signal. Um, see, some people like to play the Sahili's Lattice in uh, non dinosaur decks uh, just for the rummage effect. And uh, but I think in in Gruel you. The fact that you can turn it into a uh, rather large threat um, later in the game. Sometimes you can make I've like I've made this into a 24 creature for five, <laughs> right? Like so sometimes you just have like a ridiculous amount of power in your graveyard from your dead dinosaurs. And uh, if you don't have some way of like reanimating them or whatever, right? like the, the this gives you um, you can use that to your advantage, right? And uh, being able to discard a card uh, is is helpful when you're trying to get to your to your late game curve. So finding your late game stuff, and then once you are at like six you know six lands, then you can discard lands to find additional threats. And I think Sahili's Lattice performs better in Gruel than it does any other archetype. But I, it's another one that like I don't look to take early. If I have to take the Sahili's Lattice when I normally would be taking a common before pick five, um, I usually pass on it. And then the last little bit is what cards are cards that you can plan on wheeling. So cards that I, I've enjoyed in the deck, but like I don't want to take it until um, pick eight and onward when I see the card for a second time. And uh, this one, we've got Staggering Size, which is a plus three, plus three and gains Trample until end of turn. And that Trample is really great with cards like Cavern Stomper, where you've got a, like a seven, seven that scries to to find additional threats, but doesn't have that keyword Trample. And uh, so being able to use Staggering Size anytime that you have Cavern Stomper, you're going to be able to get attack in with a 10, 10 Trampler, which is just a lot of pressure against your opponent. And then um, I did notice in the uh, drafting archetypes by Sam Black that they just covered Gruel as well. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes our podcast differs a little bit because it depends. I, I tend to talk mostly about 17 lands and Sam Black is an amazing Magic the Gathering player, probably one of the best players in the in the in the world. <laughs> it certainly has the most draft experience. Um, and uh, they, they were talking about how Panicked Altasaur is very key to getting the archetype to work. And I agree with them. I think that it's a card that you can take advantage of specifically on the wheel. Um, it, it, you know, the fact that this is kind of an underdrafted card, um, it also gives you alternate win cons. So if you're not able to get there with your big green beef um, and they've shut you down with removal and death touchers and whatnot, right? Like this, this protects you against flyers as a four or five reach and then taps to deal two damage to each opponent. So I do think you should be taking the panicked altasaurs, but I'm not at the point where I'm personally taking them before the wheel. Um, if they start getting drafted more highly because Sam Black told everybody about it, then, um, you know, uh, I think that you maybe maybe I would want to pick up like I usually want to have at least one in my deck. Right. But I plan on picking up picking them up later. And then uh, to finish things off, uh, one little note is that it's an OK space for the cave lands. You're not really going to be doing like heavy into the cave synergies. If you look at the winds, uh, the loss. The winds destroyed um, that I did earlier. You'll notice a lot of those are the cave synergy cards. So I don't think that the Gruel Dino space uh, synergizes very well with caves, um, but they're OK to include a couple of and specifically the hidden nursery. So the more that you are one color, 
um, you would rather have your cave card be the color that is your most common color, because um, if you're doing it off of the less common color, you, you are more likely to have that card um, screw you uh, by the fact that it enters tapped and your only source is the cave. And then also later when you go to cycle it uh, or to, for the discover four, you need to have an additional color of that the same color to trigger the discover. And so generally your cave that's in your main color is going to be stronger than the cave that's in your off color. So just something to keep in mind. Um, next week, I'll be covering another archetype. Uh, if you have one that you'd like to see, let me know by voting on the poll on YouTube. It does take a fair amount of time to put these presentations together. So if you found this episode helpful, please help support my dream by taking a moment to hit like and subscribe and leaving a comment. I really appreciate it. And uh, you can also go above and beyond by clicking join to become a YouTube member or donating uh, on Patreon. Um, any support is, is much, much appreciated. So thank you for watching to the end of the video. Good luck with your games and future trophies. Thank you all for the support, and I'll see you next week.